Okay, so as some of you may or well, may not be aware, um, we have our prayer farm, which is about seven miles from here. And on that prayer farm, we are building, or will be building soon, a monastic center. It's a long story about how that journey came about, so I shan't go into all the details now. Uh, but one of the things that every monastery has is a, a rule of life or a rule of living. And so I, I did a blueprint series uh, a little while back, and this is carrying on that blueprint series. And, um, and so this week's topic is, can I have a little picture brought up as well, Keith? So this week's uh, uh, subject is uh, on the Sabbath. Um, and last week, I looked at all the, all the technical stuff, all the scriptures, all the theology about, about the Sabbath, in the sense that firstly, it's shown in Genesis 2, um, Jesus says that it was given for man, uh, Sabbath was, was given to man as a gift. Uh, we also then looked at the difference between Jews and Gentiles and the Acts 15 council, which was basically about in Acts chapter 15, should all the Gentiles get circumcised and observe the law of Moses? And the answer was no, they had to observe four separate things. And if they did that, then they did well. And that was the end of it. And that became the norm for the church. Certainly for the Gentiles, the Jewish believers carried on in their, um, in their observance of Torah, but the Gentiles had a slightly different remit. However, and I also then mentioned about from uh, Exodus 31, about how for the Jew to observe the Sabbath was a covenant stipulation. So if you broke that you were breaking covenant and it was a sign that was the equivalent to circumcision okay so we went through all of that last week as well and uh, and looked about the joy of the sabbath and i want to get a little bit more into that today but before before i do i need to just just finish off something that i didn't get to last week so if anyone's new to this i'm sorry you're kind of coming in halfway through but there'll be stuff that you'll get out of today as well Basically, why am I talking about Sabbath? It's like, well, we don't need to talk about that because we don't observe Sabbath because, you know, we're Gentiles, etc. But actually, the, the principle of Sabbath was given to us at the beginning of creation, long before the law was ever given. Um, so it's not a stipulation of the law. It's something that God put in place for man. And it mirrors something of God. And when man takes a break, takes a rest, you know, you only need to do one day a week and it doesn't matter which, necessarily which day you want to do it on. But it's important that we do have some kind of Sabbath rest in our lives. Amen. Because as much as you're born again, you're also human beings in a physical body that has limitations. So we'll, we'll look at a little bit of that later. So first of all, uh, one of the kind of erroneous teachings that you get sometimes in the church today, which is comes from a certain sect of Christianity which tries to make Gentiles come under the law, okay? And, and one of the things that they will, they will say is from Jeremiah 31 and verse 31 to 33, and it's a famous passage, you'll all know it. And it says, The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I'll make a new covenant with the people of Israel and with the people of Judah. Now, first thing I need to see, point out here is that this covenant is made for the house of of Israel, okay, and the people of Judah. So the house of Israel, they were the northern tribes and the house of Judah at this time were in the southern tribes in, in Israel, in Jerusalem, sorry. And it says, it will, be, it will not be like the covenant I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand to lead them out of G Egypt because they broke my covenant, though I was a husband to them, declares the Lord. This is the covenant I'll make with the people of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. I'll put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. I'll be their God and they will be my people. Now, there are some people that say, ah, yes, 
But it doesn't actually say new covenant there. It says in the Hebrew, renewed covenant as a form of justification to bring us Gentiles back under the law again. And it's like, well, does the Hebrew say that it is a renewed covenant? Well, it can do, but that's not the primary meaning. So if that's the case, then we have to think, okay, Now, we know that the Greek version of the Old Testament was written by 70 Jewish scholars and was known as the Septuagint, okay? So then we have to think, well, what did those Jewish scholars say about the same verse in the Greek? Now, if they said it's renewed, then it's a done deal. But if they say something slightly different, and then what about the Peshitta, which is the Aramaic version of the Old Testament? What does that have to say, all right? So I actually do a little bit of research on this. And uh, in the Greek uh, of that passage in Jeremiah 31, the Greek word for new is kainos. Okay, this is what it means. It means fresh, unused, unworn, of a new kind, unprecedented and unheard of. In other words, right, it's a new, unused, unworn, unprecedented and unheard of before covenant. Now, does that sound renewed or does that sound new? Sounds new, all right? So that's what the Greek said. And then I looked at the Aramaic version of the Old Testament, and guess what that says? New. And then when you get then to the New Testament, Jesus also calls it a new covenant in Luke 22, verse 20. He says, in the same way after the supper, he took the cup saying, this cup, and this is quite amazing that that fulfillment, that Jeremiah prophecy was being fulfilled at the giving of, of the Passover there. And, uh, And he basically says, um, in the same way after supper, he took the cup saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. And guess what the Greek word is? Kainos, which means completely brand spanking new. Okay, so it's not a renewed covenant. Not only that, but Jeremiah, even in the English says, it will not be like the covenant that I made with your forefathers. Okay, so it should put that to bed really. Um, Now, what I want to talk about today is the principle of the Sabbath. Okay. So because as Gentiles, we don't have to legally observe it because it's as, as the Jews do in the sense of it's a covenant stipulation that if they break it, they're being apostate. We don't have that upon us. We are grafted into the um, order of Abraham, the Abrahamic covenant. We're not grafted into the mosaic. So, but then does that mean as Christians that we shouldn't observe any kind of Sabbath at all? Okay, because some would say, well, as a Christian, Every day is a Sabbath. You know, it's like that song. I wish it could be Christmas every day. It's like every day is a Sabbath. Okay, so every day is a Sabbath. That may be true in one sense, but are you actually living as though it were? Because it's all very well and good to say as a spiritual being that you're walking in the fruits of the Sabbath rest. But even then, you're still not in the fullness of that Sabbath rest because you can't be until the resurrection of the dead. You see, according to uh, ancient rabbinical tradition, it says that man will live on the earth for 6,000 years. At the end of the 6,000 year period, because six is the number of man, at the ushering in of the 7,000th year, Messiah returns and he ushers in the millennial reign of Christ, which is a thousand years of Christ. And that's then known as the Sabbath rest of God to the nations. Okay, So when Jesus returns, the dead are raised in Christ and that's when you come into your Sabbath rest Okay, in its fullness at the resurrection. And then we looked at last week as well in Isaiah 66, it says in the new heaven and on the new earth, there will still be new moons and Sabbaths. Okay, so whichever way you want to swing this, okay, God's still into Sabbath in some sense for all of us. Now, we obviously know, for example, things like Romans 14, five says, one person considers one day more sacred than another, another considers every day alike. Now, this is really key. Each of them should be fully convinced in their own 
might. What we don't have the right to do as Christians is say, well, I, I observe Sabbath on a Friday, but you do it on a Monday. Mm. You, can't, you can't be doing that. Okay? It's not your place to judge them. And then it also says in Colossians 2, and this is interesting because this works both ways, verses 16 to 17 says, Therefore, no one is to act as your judge in regard to food or drink or in respect to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath day, things which are a mere shadow of what is to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. Okay, so if you are observing it, it's not my place to judge you because you are. And if you're not observing it, it's not that person's place to judge you because you're not. Okay, because Paul makes it clear both in Colossians and in Romans, you must be fully convinced in your own mind. In other words, you have freedom to, quite frankly, do what you like in that respect. Obviously, you still have to come under some framework of morality. Um, But nevertheless, there is a principle that we need to be mindful of. So under the Torah, for example, tithing, all right, was obligatory. Okay, so if you were a good Hebrew, you had to pay 23% over three years. That was your tithe. And I know you're thinking tithe's 10%. I don't know why it calls that, but over over a period of three years, 23% is what you would tithe. Okay, and that would be to the poor and to the Levite and various other things. Now, if you operated in that principle, you would get the blessing of it. The same is true for us in the New Testament. Although we don't have to, there's there's no commandment in the New Testament saying thou shalt tithe, but... If you do operate in the principle of tithing, you get the benefits that come with it. And as I pointed out last week, now this will blow your mind, there's been studies done on this, that those believers that live a Sabbatarian form of lifestyle, i.e. that they have one day a week which they give over to the Lord and to rest, they live 11 years longer than, than people that don't. And if you add up those 11 years, it adds up to a lifetime of, of doing Sabbath. Okay, so you've got to see that the statistics themselves show and the science shows there's definitely something in it. Now you might go, well, I'm a Christian. It doesn't really matter. I don't have to do these things. No, of course you don't. But do remember that you are made by creator God who gave us a confine and gave us the things to do specifically in the context of creation and our created order. And if we operate in the principles that God gives us, then we can have the benefits and the blessings that come with it. Why? Because that's exactly how you were created to do work. So if you want to work 10 days a week, okay, excuse the idea there, but if you don't want to take any days off, etc., because you don't need to, well then, you will actually cause ultimately problems to your body, to your mental health, to your physical health, and even your spiritual health. You are a holistic being. Jesus didn't go to the cross and die just for your spirit. He died for your spirit, your soul, and your body. So when you get born again, you're born again, your spirit man immediately gets saved, but your soul is being saved and your physical body is yet to be saved when it's fully regenerated at the resurrection of the dead. Are you with me? Okay. Therefore, as long as we are in this earth, there are rules and principles that if we live by them, then it will go well for us. Okay, so now we need to look at this principle of Sabbath. If we turn to Hebrews chapter 4, and we're going to look at verses 1 to 6. So I know it's a bit of teaching today as opposed to preaching, but uh, this is something that's quite important. And in today's society where we're just literally pedal to the metal, um, you know, just driving full force, 24-7 culture, we don't even have day-offs anymore, everything works 12 days a week. But as I said last time, you know, I only remember when I was a kid, 
that, um, which was a wee while ago, I'm 51 now, but when I was a child, you know, on Sunday, everything was shut. And on Wednesdays, you had half-day closing going on. So we had a culture at that time which allowed and almost enforced a Sabbath. Same in America until 1969. You you couldn't do anything on a Sunday except go to church because that was the only place that was open. Okay. Now, let's look at this scripture. It says, therefore, since the promise of entering his rest still stands, uh, let us be careful that none of you be found to have fallen short of it. For we have also, sorry, for we also have had the good news proclaimed to us just as they did. But the message they heard was of no value to them because they did not share the faith of those who obeyed. Now we who have believed enter that rest just as God has said. So I declared an oath in my anger. They shall never enter my rest. And yet his works have been finished since the creation of the world. For somewhere he has spoken about the seventh day in these words. On the seventh day, God rested from all his works. And again in the passage above, he says, they shall never enter my rest. Therefore, since it still remains for some to enter that rest, and since those who formerly had the good news proclaimed to them did not go in because of their disobedience, God again set a certain day, calling it today. This he did when a long time later he spoke through David, as in the passage already quoted, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken later about another day. This is a very interesting verse here, verse 9. There remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. Okay, so I've already explained about the Sabbath and we coming into our ultimate Sabbath rest at the, at the resurrection of the dead, etc. But do you know what the Greek actually says here? Where it says there remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. The actual Greek says there therefore remains a Sabbath keeping for the people of God. But the reason why it's not translated like that is because the primary context is not about keeping the Sabbath, but is about entering into rest. That's the secondary meaning of the Greek word. Okay, Uh, And so therefore, because of that, we can see that the principle still remains uh, that although it's not a law for us anymore, the principle of it still stands. Now, something that we need to be mindful of as Gentiles is the book of Hebrews. Who's it written to? Is it written to Gentiles or Jewish believers? Jewish believers. That's the first thing you need to understand when you read that letter. It is not written to Gentiles. Therefore, you need to understand this is a primary thing. Jesus never once broke the Torah and never once encouraged anyone else to do it. Now, some people might say, ah, but didn't Jesus say in Mark 7, he declared all foods clean. There we there go, that dietary requirements aren't necessary anymore. No, that's not what he said, because if you look at the context of that passage, it's to do with washing your hands, okay, cleansing hands with ritual purity. And so what Jesus was saying there, it was like saying, no, all foods are clean that have been declared clean by my father. But if you have dirty hands, it doesn't in any way make that food unclean when you put it in your mouth. That's the point. And that's why it says, therefore, declaring all foods clean. It's not that he's saying, now Jews, go and eat a bacon sandwich. It's basically saying, hey, guys, all this ritual purity stuff handed down by the traditions of the fathers is is not relevant because you can you can eat it and it doesn't make the food unclean. Another time where you think, well, Jesus disobeyed the law when his disciples were um, doing breaking corn on the Sabbath and eating it. Well, 
that was according to the customs of the Jews, but that wasn't according to the Torah. The Torah said um, that you were to leave certain parts of the field so that the hungry and the poor could help themselves to it when they needed it. But there, but, and, the, and there is a law that says you're not allowed to reap uh, on, on, the, on the Sabbath day, but they're hardly reaping. They're just having a little bite to eat. They're not you know, uh, doing, the, doing all the harvest and getting in. It's, it's completely different. So Jesus, again, didn't break the Sabbath. Now, in case anyone thinks I'm encouraging everyone to become Torah observant, I'm not. I'm saying that as of the letter to the Hebrews, you've got to understand that it's written to Jews and therefore there's a slight difference on how he's going to talk to them than he would to Gentiles. Just, just as when Jesus dealt with the Jews, he never once broke the law. So if you think that this is saying something which it isn't because you're a Gentile, you've got to be careful when you look at this book. Okay. So with this in mind, be careful. So Consequently, there's another translation which I like, and this is uh, from a One New Man Bible. And it says, consequently, the Sabbath rest remains for the people of God. You still need, as Christians, born again Christians and as Gentiles, we still need to observe a principle of Sabbath where we give God just 24 hours, and which of you know, you're asleep for probably half of that. You just give him one day. So you give him one seventh of your week. Now, that Sabbath day could be a Sunday. That Sabbath day could be a Friday, could be whatever. You might be a doctor or a nurse and you can't work. You know, you, you have to work at weekends and you need to take off another day. It doesn't matter. The principle is, is that God said, hey, you can work for six days, but one day you must rest. One day you must rest. How many of us, I mean, I'm sure a lot of us here do rest, but how many of us actually do a proper day where it's actually, I'm going to disengage from everything that I would normally do. I'm going to turn off my phone. I, I'm not going to just, you know, I'm not going to allow the world to get access to me. This is a time where I'm going to spend it with God. I'm going to have time with my family and time with the, fat, the wider family. And this is going to be a day which is set apart for the things of God and for, and for us as a family. I wonder how many of us actually do that anymore. It's very difficult because we live in a society and a culture which does not encourage that you know with the zero hour working contracts where it's just like you just got to work every hour that, that they need you you know we don't care if you want a day off it's just like well, you ain't getting it you know I don't care if you like want to do Sunday you just got to work whatever I mean my, my son Joe he tried to get a job at McDonald's it's quite funny he's probably the only guy I ever knew that didn't get a job at McDonald's <laughs> <laughs> and it's because he said he, he, he wanted to have Sunday off so he could you know worship God it's like yeah you clearly aren't working here then um, because they, the, the working culture today just doesn't encourage it. And I find that Christians have taken this worldly concept, which is anti-Christ, anti-God and anti-scripture. And we've brought it into our own customs in our own life. And we're living this mad, crazy life uh, going full speed and never really taking time to get off. Amen. Does anyone, anyone hear what I'm saying? I mean, some of you are like, I've retired. This means nothing to me. But for some of us... You know, I mean, I'm a pastor. I mean, I can choose what hours I do, but my job, it can be really demanding, really our job. So it can be really demanding, really busy. But I'm having to be really disciplined now and say, you know, on one day, which is just a, just a good day for me. I just picked it for that reason. Friday is our day. And so on that day, we're just we're learning to discipline ourselves. Things that we never did before as a family because we're so busy. We don't always get a chance to sit around the table. So Friday is the day where we will sit around the table. We will eat together. We will chat and do stuff. You know, we are trying to intentionally create our own culture of Sabbath in our household, which I think is really important. Um, 
You know, I was speaking to a friend the other week. Yeah, I mean, it was someone saying here, saying that, you know, every day is a Sabbath rest for us as Christians, which is, which is technically true, but you need to be mindful that you're also a human being. You are a physical creature and you have physical limitations. And as long as you are on this earth, and according to the Genesis 2 principle, then as long as you're on this earth, you are bound by certain principles and rules that, will, that govern you as a human being. Let me give you an example. Um, in, in the French Revolution, they tried to change a seven-day week into a 10-day week. So you had the decades, 10 decades, which was a week of 10 days, 10 weeks of 10 days. And that was how they, they did their calendar. But it just didn't work. The Soviet Union tried to do it, tried to make a better performance out of people, make them work harder and longer and longer. They, think they did something similar with 10 days uh, a week. And people started dropping dead with exhaustion because it's not how we're designed. My father-in-law, he, uh, when he was younger, he worked seven days a week and his hair started falling out of his head. When he stopped and started taking a day off, his hair grew back. There are just, just so obvious that we are bound by certain principles and your humanity is, is, is fearfully and wonderfully designed and God has set it in motion and there are laws of this universe that if you break those laws, well then you bring trouble upon yourself. Yeah? Amen. Hallelujah. And I, I think I brought this out last week as well, that, that uh, companies that uh, cause their workers to work only 30 hours a week with, with the remit that they're not allowed mobile phones or anything like that, they get more productivity out of their staff than a company that, that demands 60 hours a week out of its staff, like way beyond the productivity, okay? It's simple. The thing is, what we do is our culture says, you must work and then you can rest. But that's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches you rest, then you work. Okay? Culture, work to rest. Kingdom, rest to work. You probably think, what's the difference? It is a completely fundamental difference. You see, Genesis, Genesis 1 teaches us that the day starts in the evening, not in the morning. Western society is that alarm clock goes, boom, you hit the, hit the ground running and it's straight to work and you exhaust yourself, you come home, you're really tired, and then you start again the next day. But the Genesis principle is, no, we're going to start our day from a place of rest and with family and that center of gravity, so to speak, with God. Then we sleep, then we wake up, then we go to work, and then we come back to the place of rest again. So it's this whole rhythm of Sabbath going on all the time. Remember Mark 2.27, the Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. Now, as I've stated before, as I did last week, Sabbath is given to us as a gift. Now, Jesus didn't say Sabbath is given to the Jews. He said he's given it to all men. And I, I also, last time I went through and showed you how the Sabbath is relevant for all of creation. All the animals, according to the law, had to rest on that day. All the slaves had to rest on that. Everybody and everything had to rest on the Sabbath. Okay, so it's a universal thing. It's for all of us. Doesn't matter if you're a Gentile, you're a Jew, or you're an Arab, whatever. That Sabbath is there for all of us. Hallelujah. Now think about this. If God instituted the Sabbath at the beginning of creation, so this is long before the law was ever given to Israel, and it's given for mankind, then, it, then we can clearly see that Sabbath has nothing to do with the law when it was instituted at the dawn of time. Therefore, it's a principle of creation. And if this is the case, then how is it that 
logically and theologically, we refuse to accept this as Christians, this principle of Sabbath, if it's always been there since the beginning of creation. It's almost like, well, I'm born again, so none of the above replies to me, anyone, because I'm this new creation. Yeah, you are a new creation, but I've got news for you. This thing here is still the old creation. You're not going to get a new one of these until you get resurrected from the, from the dead, and then you've got a new body. Yes, your spirit has been regenerated, but your soul, man, that's got a long way to go, amen? I mean, you know, just the things that we wrestle with every day in our lives. So the soul is being regenerated slowly but surely and will not be fully regenerated until you die. But the principle of your body remains the same. We are bound by certain laws. And then again, as I said in Isaiah 66, 22 to 23, for as the new heavens and the new earth that I make shall remain before me, says the Lord, so shall your offspring and your name remain. From new moon to new moon and from Sabbath to Sabbath, all flesh shall come to worship before me, declares the Lord. This is on the new heaven and in the new earth. We will still have new moons and will still observe some form of um, Sabbath. All right? That's when you're immortal. That's when you don't need a rest anymore. Yet you will still be resting. So there's a principle in it. It's not just, oh, I've got to rest because I'm tired. You see, God mirrored something to man all those thousands of years ago at the beginning of creation. And therefore, when man then chooses to observe the principle of Sabbath, he is then reflecting something of his creator to the world, which says work, 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 work. Because you have to ask yourself, what's more important, rest or money? Because that's what this boils down to. You want to work yourself into the ground, it's because you've, that's not true for everybody. I appreciate some people are in difficulty. But there are other people that I know of that just work crazy hours, crazy amounts of time, but they're not observing the principle of Sabbath and it's causing damage to them, long-term damage to them. Hallelujah. Like John pointed out last week, in the Second World War, in the, when they were uh, making muni uh, munitions, the women were, were building these things, uh, they made them work a seven-day week because obviously we needed to get those weapons out, etc. We needed a lot of work done. But the people were getting tired and they're getting ill, so they were like, okay, you can have one day off a week. So they gave them a Sunday off, and productivity went up and went way beyond what they were producing seven days a week. Okay, rest is really important in today's world. Hallelujah. I pointed this out last week as well. All anthropologists, these are people that study um, the origins of man and things, they've all said the same thing. One thing that baffles them is no matter what culture people come from right at the big dawns of time, they all have a seven-day week. They don't have a 10-day week, they have a 12-day week. A 10-day week would be better in many respects because it works the calendar out better. But they all follow a seven-day principle because it's set in motion by God at the dawn of creation, etc. All right. So I'm just going to bring it into close now. I'm not going to go too much on this, but looking at the customs of Sabbath. OK, so it's all very well laying down a good theology of Sabbath and what you should do and what you shouldn't do. And it's not under law and all this kind of stuff. But yet, what does that actually look like in the real world in our everyday lives? OK, now I know some Christians that are very much into the Jewish root side of things, and that's fine. Uh, they tend to use, they tend to practice Sabbath in the way that Jews practice the Sabbath, with the candles and the liturgy and the tradition, etc. Um, but one thing that you need to be mindful of in that is that the, none of these things are necessarily from the Bible. They're just traditions that have formed over thousands of years. Okay, now that's not me dissing tradition. What I'm saying is, 
is that if it's kosher for the Jews to create their own customs and things to honour God in honouring the Sabbath, then as Gentiles, why don't you and I create our own traditions and customs for our family so that we can observe a day which is given to God and for his glory as well? Amen? You know, we give one-tenth of our income to the Lord. God would require we give one-seventh of our week to him as well. Hallelujah. So, how do you choose to observe a Sabbath day rest? Guess what? It's up to you how you want to do it. It's up to you what day you want to do it. Yeah, if you're a doctor or a nurse and you can't, you can't do it weekends, then do it whenever it will suit you. So you have, the, have that freedom. I need to point this out, that even in the law, if you missed Passover, you could do it again the next month, which therefore implies the principle that if you can't do the day of Sabbath, then at least the Torah is teaching in principle, then you can do it at another time and still honour God in that day off, whatever day it is. So I take Fridays off, but sometimes next week I have to take Thursday off, you know, whatever. But, but it's, it's just honouring God in that. And as I said, I'm going to talk about this over the next few weeks more practically, how you can observe Sabbath. It's a fun thing. But actually, you know, for, for us, it's about coming back to who we are as family, you know, we live in a very fragmented world now where people, especially family, they're all over the place. So, you know, some people's family, like in different parts of the world. stuff. We don't live in a world where, where, where we, we remain together as family. And Sabbath is that place where it's not about having a flesh out for yourself, where it's just like, I'm not going to do anything for anybody today. That's not what Sabbath is. It's about, yeah, it's about resting, but it's also about doing stuff together as family and doing stuff together as a community of believers and just having that day which we set apart for the Lord. Now that day might be a Sunday to you, this is fine, but it's important that in our lives that we have this day of recharge, that we have this day where we hit the count, where we hit the reset button on the clock and we recenter ourselves and come back to God. Because if you don't, you're just gonna live your life on this endless cycle, this endless treadmill, where one day just blurs into another, which blurs to another, to another. There has to be a day where you say, okay, world, not today. This is God's day. I'm gonna give him one day where we're just gonna really slow the pace down, switch the phones off, do something slightly different, and actually just honor God and honor this day, because it's how he's created me, it's the order of creation, and it gives glory to God when I do it. Amen. Amen. Lord Jesus, I pray, Lord, as we, as we cultivate and develop this practice of Sabbath in our lives, Lord God, I pray that you will teach us. I pray you will encourage us, Lord God. And uh, Lord, I pray, Lord, this is a challenge for some people, but I pray wherever we're at, Lord God, no matter how busy our lives may be or even how quiet it may be, I pray that you will help us, Lord, to uh, institute this rhythm uh, into our lives, Lord, that you set in motion at the beginning of creation. For your name and for your glory we ask it. And thank you for it, Lord. And all the saints said, Amen. 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 Hallelujah.